0: Welcome to this Asia Global Podcast, brought to you by the Asia Global Institute at the University of Hong Kong. I'm your host, Alejandro Reyes, the Institute's Director of Knowledge Dissemination. In our programs here in Hong Kong and online, and in the content that we produce, We focus on presenting Asian perspectives on global issues. Follow the Asia Global Institute on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and visit the Asia Global Institute website to sign up and receive our news and information, including the weekly Asia Global online journal. This podcast is part of our Meet the Author series, where we have a conversation with contributors to Asia Global Online and other publications of the Institute. Joining me now from Seoul, Korea, is Lieutenant General In Bum Chun. He is a graduate of the Korean Metal, the Korea Military Academy and served in the South Korean Army for 38 years until 2016, retiring as a Lieutenant General. He is a former infantry divisional commander and head of South Korea's special forces. Welcome General Chun. It's great to see you. Thanks very much for joining us. Now, Thank in you your
1: for the invitation.
0: Uh, yes, in your article on Asia Global Online, you you write that North Korea is deploying its usual brinkmanship in its latest conflict with South Korea. While recent developments, including the blowing up on June 16th of the Joint Liaison Office in Kaesong, north of the DMZ, which was used for inter-Korean talks, seem to have a familiar progression, a familiar ring to it. You warned that Pyongyang's increasing assertiveness makes the current confrontation possibly more dangerous than usual for regional and global stability. I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit more then about the current situation and what, why you think that Pyongyang's current brinkmanship may be more dangerous this time.
1: The reason that I conclude that the present situation uh, is more dangerous is because South Korean uh, readiness and fundamental capabilities are much greater than before. Although this government is pursuing a road of peace, our military readiness, especially the combined readiness with the United States, has not eroded. And the frontline units have a standing order of their own, which is to defend themselves. And uh, North Korea, I'm I'm concerned that they might not understand that uh, if they provoke Uh, a situation, especially a military type of uh, provocation, that it will be met with uh, instant and harsh response, which will lead to a situation that even they had not anticipated or wanted. So that's my biggest concern.
0: Yes. Now, um, what about in terms of, uh, you know, the United States position? Uh, You know, we've seen Uh, the Trump administration tried to make overtures to North Korea but that seems to of course uh, fallen uh, by the wayside to some extent without much progress on denuclearization. But what about the United States posture then?
1: So I I think it's fair to say that uh, although North Korea was very disappointed at what they thought that they could get from Hanoi which is economic relief Uh, with a trade-in for the Yongbyon test facilities, that uh, the United States also had a different uh, goal, which was uh, proof that North Korea would be sincere in in its denuclearization uh, efforts. Somehow, uh, North Korea and the United States both thought that the opposite side was willing to meet the others Uh, goals and expectations. Uh, I don't see the gap that wide, but it still needs some uh, working to do. And that working is some confidence building measures. Unfortunately, uh, the patience of both sides have waned, especially on the North Korean side. And now they've set up goals that are nearly impossible to meet. Mm. Uh, Namely, they want the South Koreans to literally sever ties with the United States and do a North-South uh, Korean Peninsula type of exchange, which is ridiculous. Uh, so why it, it's, it's very difficult to understand why they would set this kind of goal. And it goes back to the eight loop circle that I was referring to in my article. Yeah. And so now they have set an artificial deadline or a goal to pressure the other side, which is now the South Koreans, and so we have to we'll have to see where we go from here.
0: Interesting. Now, North Korea is uh, you know opaque at the best of times. Uh, you know it's hard to determine exactly what's going on there. Uh, there's been attention lately on whether Kim Jong Un may have been ill recently. There are now reports that uh, Kim Jong Un's sister Kim Yo Jong has risen in the ranks to now possibly be her brother's designated successor. Uh, How do you see the current leadership dynamics in the DPRK, Uh, you know, Kim Jong-un's status and his sister's status?
1: Well, it's very difficult to know what's going on in North Korea, especially regarding the leadership uh, in North Korea. So let's look at what we already know. We know for sure that North Korea is having economic problems. Now, uh, they, their uh, distribution system has, had broken down a c- couple of decades ago, but still in the capital city of Pyongyang, a distribution of food was, uh, was continuing until uh, March of this year. So now we know that even the citizens of Pyongyang are in difficult economic uh, hardship. This is bad news for the leadership. Also, we know that they have a COVID situation. We also know that all of this is tying into uh, a drawdown from uh, imports and exports with their only uh, economic partner, which is uh, China. So all of this is causing economic troubles in North Korea. It seems Kim Jong-un is having uh, health issues. Uh, the way he talks uh, short of breath, uh, so there might have been something wrong with him uh, nothing nothing too drastic, but something of a more uh, concerning his um, blood pressure or you know uh, something more uh, that will be uh, with him for a long time. We also know that Kim Hy Jong has been in the spotlight. We also think that Kim Jong is not uh, taken that seriously yet by the North Korean population. So we can conclude from these uh, facts that North Korea Korean leadership is in trouble, that they face challenges economically and politically because the North Korean people are changing themselves. and. If, for personal reasons for the Kim family, uh, whether it's Kim Jong-un's health issue or some some need for a change in the relationship or the hierarchy of that uh, regime, that there are some things that are going on. But all of this is bad news for us because North Korea might decide to try to solve these problems uh, by showing that they're okay by causing some sort of trouble.
0: Now, uh, you know, COVID-19, of course, has disrupted uh, politics in many places. Uh, Do you think that COVID-19 could be a kind of black swan disruptor in North Korea at some point down the road?
1: So in the mid-90s, we know that over a million North Koreans had starved to death, that the faith in their own government has waned. to a great deal in North Korea. The trust in their government has has weakened a great deal. With COVID-19, I think that the North Korean population is ripe for dissension, which is very new to a regime like North Korea. The only answer that the regime can have is to use uh, harsh force and when that happens, it's who knows what will happen. So um, it's very difficult for South Korea because we live right next to them and we don't want any trouble uh, occurring in North Korea. Uh, we want to be able to uh, coexist with them, but we also want that North Korea have better uh, human relations or, or human rights situation. So all of these are complex issues that need to be resolved uh, one by one or, or at the same time. So it's a big challenge for us.
0: Now, uh, tell us a bit about your background, uh, General Chun. Uh, I, you know, Conscription in South Korea has existed since 1957 and all male citizens between ages 18 and 28 perform compulsory military service, but you, you chose to make uh, the military your career. Um, how, how did that come about?
1: Well, my mother was the first woman diplomat for the Republic of Korea. And as a uh, dependent, I went to the United States when I was seven years old in 1965. And professor in 1965 was a quite a different uh, period in, in, in world affairs and as a Korean in New York City, uh, I had a very difficult time. Uh, but ever since I was a little boy, I wanted to become a soldier, not a general, just a, you know, a sergeant. Uh, by high school, uh, my family said that if you want, really wanna become a soldier, you should enter the Korean Military Academy. And without really knowing what it was, I applied and I was lucky enough to get in and then uh, I was very lucky in my career, uh, and rose to the rank of three star and held many uh, prestigious uh, positions, which I was uh, overwhelmed all the time. Uh, I prayed a lot, and I was able to go through with uh, go through uh, with my missions.
0: Now. In 1983, you were aide to General Lee Ki-Beck, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time. Now, he was injured in the North Korean bomb attack in Rangoon, the attempt to assassinate President Chun-Doo Wan, who was visiting Burma at that time. Uh, 17 people, as I recall, were killed, including Korean cabinet members and Burmese officials. You were there and were instrumental in saving General Lee's life and you received a medal for for those actions. I know that General Lee, who subsequently became defense minister, recently passed away. Um, That day in 1983 must have been so difficult, sort of a tragedy etched in your memory that sort of shaped your your life after. Uh, Tell us a bit about that.
1: It would take me a day and a half to tell the whole story, (laughs) but uh, uh, as you mentioned, the North Koreans had planned to, they used their diplomatic privileges to smuggle in explosives and other devices, as well as three agents uh, into Burma and tried to assassinate the, the president of Korea. They failed, but in the process, they were able to kill, as you said, 17 of our senior cabinet members, and the only person that survived was my boss. Uh, On that day, I can still see the explosion. Uh, I was right next to him five minutes before the explosion. I just decided to walk out to the car to get some batteries and uh, uh, the explosion occurred. I was so scared. Uh, That's when the training kicked in. Uh, I did everything that I was trained to do and uh, the, the uh, TV cameraman who was uh, filming the event uh, had, had filmed the whole thing. And that's how people knew about what I did. Uh, you know, I was only 24 years old. And, you know, in the military, they tell you that the North Koreans are evil, that they are, uh, they are, they are like demons with uh, horns in their heads. So, you know, I, I didn't believe all of that. Even that day when the initial explosion occurred, I had thought that it was some faction within Burma that wanted to embarrass the Burmese government. Mm. But the Burmese told me that it was not one of them. And I thought, that's ridiculous. You know, it could not be a, a Korean, but I was wrong. The North Koreans flew 6,000 miles, to try to kill the Korean delegation using again their diplomatic privileges, the trust that the Burmese had entrusted to them. Ever since that day, uh, uh, I, I have reservations about North Korea. You know, in order for peace, you must always give the other person the benefit of the doubt, and uh, you know, uh, try to work and uh, persuade and all that. But What I learned that day is that whenever you are discussing uh, or negotiating with North Korea, you must be ready with strength militarily so that if they're trying to do something like that again, you will not be caught off guard. So that was my biggest lesson.
0: Interesting. Now, later on in your career, you headed the Special Warfare Command, which would seem to me to be a daunting position in any country's armed forces, all the more in South Korea, in such a tense part of the world. Uh, What can you tell us about that time in your career?
1: So the South Korean Special Forces is, is is a, is a relatively a big organization compared to other countries. We have that size because of the North Korean threat, but but also the uh, legacy that we share with the United States. So we started out as an airborne unit, and as the United States established their Green Berets, much of our unit started to uh, simulate with the U.S. Green Berets. So we have a wide range of capability The biggest challenge is to keep that kind of capability in a peacetime army. And so, you know, a lot of effort finances go into uh, maintaining that kind of capability for that kind of uh, size of a a unit. And for me to fight for resources, uh, to be able to uh, take the risk to train the troops when you have to consider safety issues as well as uh, other considerations was the biggest challenge. But I must tell you that it was the best time of my life. I mean, I really enjoyed uh, serving with these great soldiers. Uh, They are great soldiers. uh, And uh, I I really enjoyed uh, and it was an honor for me to uh, serve as the commander of the ROC SF units.
0: Now, um, what insights did you gain at that time from, you know, the dealing with North Korea and also uh, with working with the United States in terms of security in the peninsula?
1: In one word, professor, uh, see this pace beta better uh, If you want peace, prepare for war. Uh, You know, Korea has an alliance with the United States, and it has been a very successful alliance, Uh, but the United States is a big uh, partner, and to be able to uh, match uh, with that kind of a big partner is a very daunting task. So you have to be a good diplomat, and you have to be able to persuade and make the Make your alliance partner understand who you are. I think that's the most important uh, task that you need to do in a combined uh, atmosphere. Uh, but sure. again, uh, but again, preparing for war, I think, is most important because uh, history, throughout mankind, has taught us that that is the only guarantor of peace.
0: Interesting. Now, you retired from active duty in 2016, and, but have been keeping busy since then. I think you've taken on fellowships in the United States. Um, tell us what uh, you're working on these days, and uh, aside from writing for Asia Global Online.
1: <laughs> so I enjoy writing for Asia Global Online. Thank you very much. Uh, because of my relationship with the United States and my uh, home country, the Republic of Korea, my first task in life before I go to the next uh, life is to ensure that the ROC-Korean, uh, ROC-US alliance is, stays strong and that I will try to enhance that relationship. And I try to do that by being honest. I feel that honesty is the best policy. It leads to better understanding And when you are able to better understand your friend or ally, it will really solidify that relationship. So that's my number one thing. Uh, Number two endeavor in my life is to um, fight for the common soldier's basic equipment. You know, all peacetime armies have this issue. Uh, All peacetime armies want to make a billion dollar aircraft carriers, and submarines, and aircraft, and tanks, but they don't want to invest uh, a $1,000 on a good rifle. So I and a group of us try to make sure that the Rock Army gets that kind of good rifle, good ammunition, good helmet, and so forth. Uh, By the way, a boot is very important as well. And finally, uh, I want to spend the rest of my life dedicating myself to the welfare of uh, dogs and cats. So I am a, uh, on the board of directors for the Korea Animal Welfare Association, uh, and uh, we do dog and cat rescue and among other things. Wow, fantastic. Now, uh, since you mentioned equipment, uh, tell us a bit
0: about some of the equipment that's behind you, behind your desk there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Professor Ace, these are all models but uh, these are all uh, replicas of Korean rifles and uh, that are being used right now and uh, we could have better rifles so this is a, these are props that uh, I and my associates use to educate the Korean public and also to draw their attention uh, to, to, to this issue.
0: Now, uh, Korea is trying to improve the uh, the the quality of their the weapons they produce. I, I, I guess that's your one of your missions. Yes,
1: actually. yes. So uh, again, our tank is uh, is a ten million dollar tank. It's a phenomenal tank. Our aircraft are imported by from the United States and modified to meet our requirements. Very good aircraft. We can knock out the North Korean air force, I would say, within ten days. Our Navy is quite capable as has been shown throughout the uh, uh, clashes that we've had in the West and Eastern Seas. Uh, but I want, I and my associates want to see better rifles, uh, uh, better boots, better uniforms, better armor, uh, all the basic stuff for the, the, the average soldier. And so that's where we concentrate on.
0: Interesting. Now, um, South Korea, of course, like all other countries, most countries in the world, is dealing with the coronavirus, the pandemic. Um, South Korea has done fairly well in controlling the outbreak. Um, how, how have you been coping? What's your view on, in terms of the way the country has been handling the situation? How have you and your family been managing
1: Well, nobody in my family or my immediate uh, group has been affected by COVID-19, thank God. Um, But it's basically common sense, you know, you keep your social distancing, uh, reduce your activities, wear a mask, wash your hands. So that's the basic. Uh, But at the same time, you need to keep balance. So you need to, you know, do your shopping and uh, meet, associates and friends and do your exchanges. So uh, the Korean government has been uh, quite successful with the cooperation of the Korean people uh, so far, but uh, we all know that this uh, challenge that we have will not change uh, very anytime soon or, or resolved anytime soon and that humanity will be faced with more of this type of challenges unless we really uh, change our lifestyle and uh, uh, fix, you know, what we've been doing to earth. Uh, It's us that's the real problem. And
0: and the animals too, I think is just kind of important. I mean, (laughs) understanding your interest in animals that clearly we have to uh, look after them, too, uh, as well, in their environments.
1: Yes. You know, uh, I'm not a vegan yet or a vegetarian, but uh, the one of the answers is to reduce the uh, amount of uh, meat that we eat. Uh, we're eating too much. And I think if we did that, a lot of our problems would be solved.
0: Yes. Well, thank you. General Chun for joining us. Uh, General Chun's article may be found on Asia Global Online. Follow the Asia Global Institute on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and visit the Asia Global Institute website to sign up and receive our news and information, including the weekly Asia Global Online journal. General Chun, thank you so much for joining us from Seoul, South Korea. It's lovely to see
1: you. Thank you and good luck.
0: Thank you.